Welcome to season two of Living Fullness, a podcast where two friends explore what it means to live out the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And my name is Father Sean Burns. And every week we look more closely at deepening friendships, intentional relationships, growth in virtue, and nurturing our spiritual lives. We hope by sharing our learning, reflections, and experiences, this podcast will serve you in living your life to the full. Hello and welcome back to the Living Fullness Podcast. How are you, Stephen? I am doing well. How are you? Oh, that's the way I'm going very well. Thank you. What have you been up to? I've just come back from retreat. Oh, tell me about your retreat. Yeah, well, I was the personal retreat. I've been trying to go away on a structured retreat for, what, three years? <laughs> Nothing's worked out. Funny story, but I've been trying to go away for so long and every one of them, something kept happening, just wouldn't come through. It was just like one of those... What in the world, Lord? What's going on? And then one opened up that was like, yes, let's go. Let's do this. So I go to my spiritual director and I'm like, right, so we're doing this. <laughs> and my spiritual director's like, not now. When I beg your pardon, <laughs> I recommend not now because the season you're in right now, you're not going to cope. What? It was spot on, like, <laughs> as always, spiritual directors, they know what they're talking about. But I was finally able to go away on a personal retreat. Yep. So it was nice to be able to spend a few a few solid days just diving in to some scripture, meditating on that, spending some quiet time, doing a bit of painting, and apparently sleeping a lot too, because apparently I was really tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, coming back from that and back into the world where, you know, you've not had media, you've not had phones, yep. you've not spoken to anyone, and then being bombarded with the world. It's like, ah, no, <laughs> yeah, post-retreat yeah. syndrome, here we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I am good. I'm doing really well. What about you? What have you been up to? It just parish life. It's uh, Living the life. Living the life, living the parish life. Mm. That's right, that's right. Between uh, nursing homes, hospitals, masses, visiting people, Legion of Mary, uh, school between all of these things and funerals and baptisms and all of that, it's been, it's just, yeah, it's been parish life. And along with the administration of the parish that goes along with that, you know, the financial stuff and everything, it's just been, um, yeah, living the parish life. Mm. Uh, it's been really cool. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, so today we are going to be discussing the topic of marriage and and we're going to be looking at a couple of different things. So we'll be looking at what marriage is like in the eyes of the Christian faith. And, and we'll also look at, at where marriage sits culturally at the moment, uh, as well as sort of looking at um, the relationship between Jesus and the church and how that figures in to marriage itself and what the consequences of that relationship are for us. Mm. So, uh, so that's going to be what we're looking at uh today yeah Yeah. so i guess maybe starting with just having a little bit of a chat about you know what let's start with what marriage is in the eyes of a christian you know it's a a covenant marriage made between one man and one woman with god the creator at the center of that marriage um, with the purpose of the marriage being for the good of the spouses and for procreation so maybe if we start with pulling apart what that means like good of the spouses and for procreation so when it comes to the good of the spouses, we're essentially talking about a path of holiness here. Mm, like mm. true love requires sacrifice. And within marriage, spouses are called upon to lay down their lives for each other, um, which 
you know, isn't so much, I think sometimes we can think, oh, well, that just means that I have to be ready to take a bullet for my husband or a wife, like literally die um, for them, which may be the case for some, absolutely. But also more frequently, it's about those other places in that relationship where we might dodge the bullet of humility um, for comfort um, of not being in a vulnerable position because, hey, we might be flawed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And not bringing those things to the surface and allowing them to be healed. So spouses are actually called to image the love of Christ on the cross. Beautiful. For the church. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 look, the 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 sort of the other end of marriage or the the sort of the, the purpose of marriage is is procreation of children and and traditionally this has always been seen as the primary end of marriage. Yes. Right? Yes. And and but I I don't think it's necessarily helpful mm. to pit offspring against the good of the spouses yeah. or to say that one is 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 more essential than the other. Now, it is true Saint Augustine identifies it, and as as many, as well as many other saints, uh, identify children as the end of marriage, as the 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 purpose of marriage. That's a, a traditional teaching of the church. Um, the there was a document from the Second Vatican Council called Guardian with Spares, and what it did was to actually say yes, yes, it is, but not in a way which places the good of the spouses as some secondary yeah. element. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, procreation of children is an essential end of marriage. It's it's the end of marriage. But for that to actually take place as it should, the good of the spouses is almost like a precondition of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the sanctification of the spouses is actually a precondition for raising good children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, you know, it's it's because, let's be honest, any idiot can have a kid. <laughs> Like it, it doesn't. It doesn't it take doesn't, right. You know, right. it's it's what what is is unique about Christianity is that it's not just the uh, the the creation of a child. It is the raising of a child uh, in and through the grace of God. Mm. That's 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 that requires the sanctification of the spouses. Mm. So yeah, and also not to not to also like forget that sometimes we can look at this and go well. What happens with a couple then who can't have children? Sure. Like does that then sure. mean that their marriage is somehow incomplete? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Which is exactly what happens if we overemphasize. If we overemphasize that, that's right. Procreation that's right. as yep. the yep. purpose. Yep. That's right. Of marriage. And and look, it, it's 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 still procreation. Even there, is still actually an end of that marriage, even though it may be physically frustrated by 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 you know whatever circumstance it is it's still actually the end of that marriage and it will manifest itself in unique ways in that marriage. It may manifest itself through adoption or it might manifest itself through um, spiritual uh, spiritual maternity and paternity. Uh, so that will still actually, that end will still manifest itself uh, almost as the natural uh, spring, as it will naturally spring from the sanctification of the spouses. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. This is where we can talk about it in terms of a language of fruits. Right, right. Absolutely. As opposed to literal children. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That comes sure. from a holy marriage. Yes, mm. yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So then maybe if we then also have a little bit of a chat about culturally <laughs> what's oh, yeah. happening at the moment and what marriage is not. <laughs> uh, I 
think some circles of our culture thinks that marriage is only a legally binding contract. Mm. You know, we sign it with a pen so I can tear it up the next day if I don't need it, if I don't want it anymore, yep. it doesn't suit me anymore. Yep. Um, and we forget Matthew 19, 6, which says, you know, what God therefore has joined together, let no man put asunder. What God has actually joined, we can't just tear apart. No. Um, we're not the ones who put it together. So why, what are we doing trying to tear it? What are we doing trying to tear it apart? And even if we could tear a piece of paper apart, do we, like, do we really understand what it, what it means? Or do we really think tearing a piece of paper would equate to tearing the relationship that has now been formed yeah. apart? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in, in the old rite of marriage, uh, so the, the sort of before the, the, the reforms of the Second Vatican Council and the Catholic Church, um, in the old rite of marriage in the Catholic Church, when the man and woman join their right hands and they exchange their vows, because the, the, the sacrament of marriage is a bit unique insofar as the man and the woman, they minister the sacrament to each other, right? So when, when they join their right hands and they exchange vows, the priest would wrap his stole around the hands of the man and the woman. And, and the stole, is, it's, um, for those of you that aren't, aren't, aren't familiar with Catholic vestments, um, the stole is sort of a scarf-like vestment that's draped around the neck and uh, normally sort of goes down to the knees. Um, and uh, so that stole represents the authority of Christ. And so wrapping the hands in the stole was a symbol that Christ was forging a bond through the consent of this man and woman. Uh, and, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad that we don't we no longer have that in our right. You know, it's 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 it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess also something else that uh, might happen when we start to think that we could tear something apart so easily is that we could also ask the question well was it even securely bound in the first place to begin with if it could be so easily torn apart as well which then brings into question what do we actually believe then that the power of god is yeah Um, Yeah. and what kind of impact does that have in terms of what we believe the sacrament of marriage Mm. actually is and also because marriage you know, goes all the way back to our understanding of creation in Genesis, in the marriage of Adam and Eve, it's actually not something that we can just change because of the cultural context in the here and now. Not to mention that if we were to go down that track, we would have to keep changing it every time the culture wants to change it. Like, our culture is always changing and that's that's a good thing. Like, we, we adapt certain parts of our culture and we grow in certain spaces. But there are other things that... Yep. We should be retaining yep. as well. And my question would be, is this not one of those things that we should be retaining? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If everything is changing and there's no background of permanence, then it's just chaos. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I guess now that we've had a little bit of a conversation about what marriage is in the eyes of a Christian, what it's not um, and what it may be pushed with, in terms of aspects of our culture. We also talk a lot about marriage being an icon of love between Jesus and the church. And so maybe we could explore a little bit about what that, what, like what does that actually mean? Is that just like fancy poetic language? Like uh, is that is that all is it is? Is there something just, here? Yeah, or is there something here? And I suppose to do that, we have to do a little bit of going to history. Yeah. Um, so if we start with Adam and Eve, you know, we 
we recognize that God creates humanity through an intimate relationship. He actually, we, we see and we read that Adam falls into a deep sleep and Eve is created from his side. And we hear the words of Adam in Genesis 2, 23, you know, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, like at last, like finally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he forms, God forms the first communion of persons here and with complementarity, male and female, you know, he makes them in his image and likeness. So there's like a, a co-union between people, that being the marriage that he's created. And then he calls them to be fruitful and multiply. Mm. And it's 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 the first created communion of persons, mm. uh, because God is the uncreated mm. communion of persons. Mm. Um, so, uh, and 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 John Paul II actually calls the relationship between Adam and Eve a primordial sacrament, uh, and, and and it's not like sacrament like we Catholics understand sacrament like. Uh, we Catholics understand sacrament to be you know, seven sacraments in particular. and So he's not talking in that language specifically, but he's saying that, that Adam and Eve had this covenantal bond which communicated grace to each other. Mm. You know, and, and so in this sense, he calls it a primordial sacrament. Uh, and, and what Jesus does in chapter 19 that you referred to earlier is that after years of the Jews being able to, to, to divorce, what Jesus does is to elevate the marriage back to this status of a covenantal bond uh, which is one of our seven sacraments mm. yeah yeah mm. yeah so to to continue on with what you were saying there you know what happened at Mount Sinai so if we go a little bit further beyond Genesis what we hear in Exodus um, God makes a covenant between him and the people of Israel after God's led people out of slavery out of Egypt you know mm. with Moses um, and he makes a covenant which is like a sacred family bond um, that he's made between his people. And it's permanent and emphasis on sacred. <laughs> yeah. um, and then from there, then we hear that God gives his people, you know, healthy boundaries of how to thrive in this new family relationship. Those healthy boundaries being the Ten Commandments. Yes. And then we also hear that he unites the 12 tribes of Israel with a blood sacrifice, you know, so it becomes a flesh and blood relationship. And then what happens? Well, then it's marked with a feast. Mm. Then we have a banquet. And the prophets talk about what happened here as like a wedding. This was, this was God wedding himself to his people, you know, so God being the divine bridegroom and Israel being the bride. Yeah. Just yeah. like, what? It's pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> so hang on a minute. It's not just yeah. poetic language. What's no, going on here? No. <laughs> but then sadly, what do we see after that? Not long after that, we see the repercussions of what happened in the Garden of Eden from the fall. We see that the people of Israel turned from the divine, divine bridegroom and made a golden calf to worship. You know, they, they still intuited in a space where they thought God wasn't there, in a space where they felt like God was distant. They intuited <laughs> that human nature of ours to need to worship. Like we will always turn to yeah. something, if it's not God, yep. to yep. worship. And so that, what did they do? They made this calf to worship this calf in what they felt like was an absence of God. They created something else. And so in a sense that way, Israel actually becomes an adulterer, mm. which is big language, like that's confronting. But essentially, Israel as the, the bride sins against her own divine bridegroom, not once, but time and time again. Yeah. 
it's it's interesting. I always this is a bit of a a bit of a, a comedic take on it, which is odd me saying that after the important point you just made. Um, but but <laughs> but that's what this podcast does. <laughs> but um, you know, Moses comes down from the mountain, and and you know he 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 gets very furious when he sees these people. Yes, and rightly know, so. Rightly so. And 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 Aaron's excuse <laughs> is essentially. <gasps> Je ne sais pas. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't. I just. I, I just threw some stuff into a fire, and a golden calf came out. I, you know. It's, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit of a comedic take on it, but but it's it's sort of yes. They they they, they fell into idolatry, yeah. and, and and this is why when adultery as a sin is committed, it's actually a sin not against just the sixth commandment. It's also a sin. Against the first commandment. Yes. It's a sin of idolatry. Yeah. Because it mocks the covenant that God forms with his people. Mm. So it's, it's yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so as you rightly point out, this, this sort of infidelity is a frequent occurrence in Israel's history. And, and God is constantly calling the people of Israel back to himself. And, and the, the prophet Hosea... Uh, the relationship between Hosea and the woman he wishes to marry is an image of the relationship between God and his people, his people being the unfaithful harlot and God being the ever-faithful God. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's constantly there. God makes a covenant with his people and he always holds up his end of the covenant. Yes, yes, yeah. yep, even when she turns. Yes, Yep. He continues Absolutely. he continues to pursue, which is exactly what we hear from there on as well. Like we hear that relentless pursuit yeah. of the bridegroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we also hear, we start to hear things like, you know, he will come to cleanse her. Mm. You know, she will be forgiven um, and they will once again be united. Mm. Like there's, there's a hope for it, this will be restored in some way. Some, some way things will be okay again yeah. <laughs> this relationship yeah. will be okay again and so when we get to the then when we get to the passion and death of christ what we see in jesus is exactly that we actually see the divine bridegroom has arrived he has come he has cleansed the bride the church you know mm. um and and not just the people of israel like literally like he's actually cleansed all of humanity he's yeah. wanting all of us all people and unites us to himself in a new everlasting covenant yeah like that. That's, it's, 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 that. It's pretty incredible, isn't <laughs> yes. it? It's pretty incredible. Yes. Yeah. 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 The divine bridegroom yeah. that we hear all throughout yeah. the Old Testament, all through the prophets, Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So what does that then mean for us, like eternally speaking? So I guess what that means is that not only are we called into a love uh, between the creator and his creation – and not only are we called into a love between a father and his children, but we're also called to the love of a bridegroom for his spouse, which means that we're actually called into a spousal love where the everlasting covenant of a marriage took place through Jesus, where we've been cleansed by living water through him, joined to him in a flesh and blood union in his sacrifice, and where he makes a gift of himself to us, and we await the wedding banquet of heaven when our lives on this earth will have been completely offered back to God. Mm. And so spousal here simply means giving. It is, it is a, a, a 
a bestowal of love, a giving of love. So there's a language of giving that exists within God's covenant with us and that we're meant to actually imitate uh, as husband and wife. This is what is meant by Ephesians 5.21 when St. Paul says, be subject to one another in obedience to Christ. And then he says, wives, obey your husbands. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I can remember as a kid at church, whenever those readings came up um, and it said, wives, obey your husband, um, dad would always nudge mum. <laughs> and and, and mum would always lean over to dad and go, keep dreaming, sweetheart. <laughs> and, and, and so... <laughs> They can do that because they, they can, have a beautiful marriage. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, there is there is some tension. There is in this space. There is. That's right. That's right. So so how do we how do we understand this 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 particular passage? Well, um, the 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 interpretive key is that first line: be subject to each other in obedience to Christ. Um, so there is a sense a sense in which both must die to self to live for Christ so that they can serve each other the wife is called to obey her husband now what does obey mean it comes from a latin combination of two latin words ob and audire which means to hear man is is the woman is meant to hear and to respond in love that's what obedience is it's hearing somebody else and 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 going i respond to what i have heard in love you know, I, I will lay aside my own will, what I would perhaps want to do, and I take up this instead. Obedience always calls for reasonableness. You know, obedience is never like as a as a priest, I'm bound to to obey my bishop. But if my bishop says something ludicrous, like if he says, "Sean, go and plant these plants upside down <laughs> outside the front of the cathedral," no. <laughs> No, I'm not. That's ludicrous. Yeah. That's completely ludicrous. You know, I'm not going to do that, right? Or if he says, "Go and do something illegal," no, <laughs> I'm not going to go and do the illegal thing. Uh, obedience doesn't mean that 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 every command and, and, and every whim must be listened to. No, that's 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 not the spirit of obedience. Obedience is founded on love and truth. That means that the person who is speaking speaks in love and truth, and the person who listens listens in the same spirit. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, uh, wives, obey your husbands. Hear your husbands and respond in love. But simultaneously, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for her. Uh, now, he died for her doesn't just mean, as you said earlier, that, okay, I'll take a bullet for my wife if necessary. Great, great, yeah. and, and, and do that. But um, uh, also... Die every day, die every single day. You know, it's it's um, die to yourself. Die to, yeah, yeah, yes, die die to yourself every single day, so that the husband, in dying to himself, will be sensitive to his wife's needs, will listen to her wisdom, and lead as the head of the family, not as a as a, a domineering leader because that's not real leadership, but as a servant leader. Mm. Um, and uh, so, so together, they actually become a living icon of the relationship between Christ and his church. Yeah. The church who hears and obeys, the Lord who dies for his church. They become a living icon of that relationship. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to go back 
a little there on the the tension that stands between mm. in in the in this passage in Ephesians. Like as a woman, I I've been through that space of having read that read that passion passage and be like the heck, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Right. What do you right. think? Right. Who do you think I am? Like that's not that's not who I am. And then over time, understanding more and more what's actually being asked of me. Whereas now I'm in a position where I can go, well, actually, sorry, I actually think husbands have a harder <laughs> job. <laughs> I'm like sure, as a wife, as a woman, potentially to become a wife someday, maybe. Um, but you know, in that relationship, I'm called to listen to what my husband has to say, taking that into consideration, love him in return. Who is he called to emulate? Christ himself? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like much taller order. He has the much he's, taller order. He's got the harder, the, yeah, the, the harder order. Yeah, and and yep. the reality is when we're in a relationship with Christ, mm. whatever He calls us to, we can trust Him. Yeah, in that yeah, we right. we don't need the hesitancy around mm. what will I be asked to obey to? Yeah. Will it be yeah. to my detriment? Because it never will. Yes, that's right. That's, that's right. That's not. Yep. So if that like we have to remember that that's the relationship that we're being called into, yep. and yep. that marriage is is actually trying to icon that relationship. Exactly, exactly. And in relationships where, and I have seen this happen, in relationships where the husband is domineering, mm. um, uh, you know, and he's I'm the leader of this household. I can remember one day challenging a man. I won't say where it was. Uh, I can remember one day challenging a man and saying to him, "Are you though? Are you the leader of your household?" Because right now, I don't see a leader of a household. I see a dictator. Mm. I see a tyrant. Yeah, that's not a leader. Mm. That's 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 not the servant leadership of Jesus Christ. No. You know, that's 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 your faults, domineering your family. That isn't okay. You know, that's the 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 stuff that that matters. Yeah, you know, that's the it's it's. It's not a relationship of dominance, Mm-mm. you know. It, it's it's a relationship of of two people who are equal, but complementary. Yeah, yeah. They have different roles. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, what about then? If we, because I mean, obviously, this this even this passage is talking very. Uh, we speak very specifically about marriage between a husband and a wife. Mm. We also know that you know. People such as yourself right, right, yes. <laughs> don't have an actual wife. No, no. <laughs> You've chosen no. a celibate <laughs> life. So you know, what? <laughs> Father Rafter and I sometimes say, Father Rafter's a friend of mine. He's um, He actually took my position. Yeah, the, you guys did a swap. Uh, we did a straight swap. Yeah. So he's uh, vice, vice rector of the seminary. I'm I'm in his old parish. and, and uh, uh, But um, he and I often joke, no, God knew what he was doing when he was calling us to be priests because – Heaven help the poor woman that would have to be the wife of two of the most idiotic people on the face of the planet. <laughs> just, just ludicrous human beings, you know, oh, making the worst jokes that you could possibly imagine <laughs> and thinking they're hilarious, you know. Uh, oh, so, dear. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, as you rightly say, um, what about the celibate state? Like, like, you know, where is that like an exemption? Is it, is it like, yeah, is, is it an exemption from <laughs> so does this? Does that not fit? Right, so what right. happens then between the divine bridegroom and his people? Exactly, like, exactly. Where right. does this go? So, so as, as, as a priest, I am wedded in a certain sense to the church. Uh, so as a, as a priest, I'm called to take on 
um, the, the role of Christ the priest. And the role of Christ the priest is that he is priest and victim for his people and he consecrates his people in, the, in, in, in his blood. Uh, and so as a priest, I am called to make my life a libation to the church, an offering to the church, uh, so that I have a spousal relationship with the church that I serve. That plays out at a local, in a local way, but also in a universal way. Mm. So it plays out locally insofar as this is the church, like Narendra Parish is the church that I am called to pour my life out for. Um, but it also takes place at a universal level. Uh, you know, the, the, the mystical body of Christ, uh, where the priestly ministry has effects that go beyond the, the, the realm of Narendra Parish, where, you know, the, the, the person that I form in the parish might go to somewhere else and, and, and make a disciple, you know, and, and the podcast that I'm doing with you has its own unique, its own unique reach. I teach other men in, in the context of the seminary. Uh, you know, there's, there's actually a universal level to the priestly ministry that goes to the mystical body of Christ, uh, that somehow my ministry, which is local and in a particular place, actually has effects that go well beyond uh, and, and work for the building up of the kingdom of God. Now, that's true, of course, of a married couple as well. Uh, but in a special way, the priest is living the next life here on earth. Now, that sounds a little bit radical, perhaps, uh, but if you think about it like um, you know, Jesus said that um, we're like the angels, you know, that, 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 um, that man is actually, the, the man who is a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom of heaven is worshipping and serving God as the angels do, mm. uh, and and so it's it's um, this is the 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 our task, the, the priest's task is that he's he's there giving his life to God and to the church, uh, and so the church is his spouse. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that leaves us with one sort of last question, if you like, and that is really, you know, since marriage is meant to help us get to heaven, does this mean that we won't be married to our, married to our spouses in heaven? That is a very good question. Mm. A question that I like. And guess what? What? It's for our Patreon. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so sign up to our Patreon community with the um, second tier, which I think is $5 and up a month. Sounds about right. If you sign up to one of those tiers, you will have access to some behind the scenes. And this will be one of those behind the scenes questions that we answer. Beautiful. Catch you then. Catch you then. So to end this week's episode then, there was a lot there on marriage that we covered. This is a lot. (laughs) So we love hearing thoughts, comments, questions from people after listening to this episode. Let us know, get in touch with us via our socials as usual or come and talk to us in person as well. Send us a private message if that's more comfortable for you. We love hearing what, what stood out to you. Do you disagree with anything that we've said? challenge anything that we've said Mm. go ahead love love that conversation absolutely so a truth beauty and goodness padre okay so truth beauty goodness for me it's a generous parishioner of mine 
so we've had a lady die in the last few weeks and we've not been able to have her funeral. Uh, that's for a multitude of reasons. I think I've already shared some of those on the podcast. Um, finally, we've been able to have the funeral, but this lady was not able really to pay for the, the funeral herself. Um, and so this generous parishioner just said, how much is it, Father? And fronted up the money. Um, and just just a, a you know, a very, very generous man who, wow. who, you know, God has been very good to him materially, I suppose, and and he just wants to find a way to serve with what mm. God has given him. Mm. And it's it's one of the most beautiful oh, things. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Good How on. about yourself? Mm. For me, it's another resource and related to this week's episode – uh, it is a book by Dr. Brant Petrie. It's called Jesus the Bridegroom, The Greatest Love Story Ever Told. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Highly recommend. Like, could not recommend this more highly. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. It's an easy book to read. He's um, He knows his stuff, but he puets it in language that's digestible. Oh, that's when you know he really knows his stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So thanks for joining us for this week's episode. We will catch you again next week. But as always, know of our love and prayers. God bless. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Our prayer tribe is the backbone to our growth. Would you like to become a part of the prayer tribe that keeps us spiritually stable to be able to do our work speaking the love of God into others' lives? Join our tribe on virtueministry.org.au and receive a message each time we have a specific need whether that be the work that we do within our ministry or something one of the team might be going through. This way, your prayers can be specific and intentional for us and for those we encounter. You'll also receive an Easter and Christmas reflection from our prayer coordinator. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. That will help others find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook.